All right, y'all, so we are in this series called um, Gotta Get You Into My Life. We're talking, really, about eternal life. Because Jesus said eternal life, again, is that you know me. He says, I want you to know me. And that's an intimate knowing, right? It means that we're letting Jesus into our life, and then we're also getting engaged into his life. That's how you have any intimate relationship with anybody on the planet. And so we're just trying to remind ourselves through this whole series, like even though the gift of Jesus, it's a gift, you receive it by faith and you receive Christ and you can have eternal life because he is eternal life. But Paul says, man, I pray that you get to know him more. I pray that you would get to know him more. And the only way we get to know Jesus more is by opening up every area of our life and letting him in. Jesus, I want you to come in and be engaged and be involved with this part of my life. And then if we do, then we get all of who he is and all of his beauty, all of his love, all of his glory gets demonstrated in that part of our life. And then the same thing, Jesus says, hey, and there's some things about me that I want you to engage in. I want you to get into my life because I am everything that's good and everything that's right. So that's what we've been looking at. So we've looked at different things talking about getting into Christ's life. We've looked at getting into his love, which is so different than human love, into his service. Because Jesus is like, that's the greatest thing in the whole kingdom is actually that you're serving others. Into Jesus' compassion, taking care of those who are in need. So tomorrow, this is Jesus. That's why we're doing this. The reason we did the homeless thing on Easter and the reason we're going tomorrow, the reason you guys are going to Hilldale is because that's Jesus. He is moved deeply for people who are in need. And so we're, if we're gonna know Christ, if we're gonna know eternal life, then we engage with Jesus and we do what he does. And that's why we're doing that. Last week, we talked about Jesus' suffering. If we really wanna know, man, we gotta share in his sufferings. We've looked at how Jesus wants to come into our identity. We gotta let him in. You gotta let him in and let him tell you who you are as your creator, instead of trying to figure it out yourself or listening to other people. We've looked at Jesus getting into our work because we spend so much of our life at our workplace. And most people I know haven't really thought about that. This is when I think about Jesus. But no, but we got to let him into our work. And so today, y'all ready? Here we go. We're going to let Jesus into our finances. Okay, everybody want to leave now? I'm telling you, uh, yeah, this is one of those hot topic issues. This is one of the things I know when we started our church in Detroit way back uh, that we, when we surveyed everybody, everybody said, the church just wants my money. And it's like, we don't want anybody messing with our money, including Jesus, okay? But I gotta tell you, this is super important. And it's super important to God, it's very interesting. I, I did a course uh, on financial stuff uh, way back at our church in Detroit. And in that course, they said there are about 500 verses, few, more than 500 verses on prayer. There's actually less than 500 verses that are totally about faith. And there are 2,350 verses on money. Interesting. You guys know this, right? That, that Jesus talked more about money than any other topic? That's crazy. Now, why is this important? Because of the emotional reaction that comes when the topic is brought up. 
This is, a, this is a, something that moves the heart immediately. I don't know how your heart felt as soon as I said, we're gonna talk about money today. Emotion, there it is. The other reason we gotta talk about it, this is one of the top destroyers of marriage. Every time I'm doing premarital and we're getting ready to go into marriage, we know this has to be a topic because it is a top destroyer of marriage. It's the top cause of anxiety, fear, Depression, greed, and jealousy. So why is this? Why do we got to talk about this? Because Jesus wants actually to set us free. He came to give us life. He came to make our marriages last. He wants to get into this. And if money is this big of an issue, then we got to talk about it. Jesus said that our hearts are actually tied to our money. And this is one of the things that I think God created this so we could actually know what's going on with our heart and we can know from in our money. And one scripture says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, they didn't say the love of money is the root of all evil, okay? Some people like to say that. No, but it is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Jesus goes, this is tied to your heart, you guys. And then he said this. And actually the verse we're gonna look at today, the way we handle money can help us take hold of the life that is truly life. So I was sitting there and I'm prepping for this message and I'm like, all right, which one out of the 2,350 verses am I gonna focus on today? And I actually was, I was driving into work and I had just worship music playing on the car and I was driving in. And it was this, it was that phrase that hit me. You all, you and I can take hold of the life that is truly life if we actually figure out what to do with our finances. And that's what we're talking about, eternal life. Full life is wrapped up in this. So here you go. That passage is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And I'm gonna read 17 through 19. And then I'm also gonna unpack an Old Testament passage too. Here's what it says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. All right? Here's the first thing we got to learn about money from at least what the Bible tells us about money. And it's this, our money is actually God's. <laughs> our money is actually his. Okay? In 1 Chronicles 29, David is, does this amazing psalm of praise because they're getting ready to dedicate the temple, right? So they're, they're like, this is, this is it. David, all David wanted to do was to build a temple and then he was never gonna be able to do it. His son Solomon was gonna do it. But David did everything he could to make sure that Solomon had what he needed. And here, here's how he led his congregation in praise. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, 
from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. I also just want to throw out Psalm 50. Psalm 50 says this, because again, this is one of those places where God was just, he was kind of angry at his, at his people because they were giving sacrifices. They were all pleased because they were doing the religious activity, going to church, things like that, but their hearts were not there. And God was like, no, you guys, I, I'm usually not that interested in your sacrifices. And here's what it says. For every animal of the forest is mine <laughs> and the cattle on the thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. The insects. Like, hey God, could you get rid of the mosquitoes this year? <laughs> like, I, like the insects are gods. And then he says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you for the whole world is mine and all that is in it. Okay? Everything is God's. I want to tell you, so I, I was probably in my, yeah, I think I was in my late 20s when I took this course. And this principle right here changed everything for me. It really did. This, this changed my whole perspective of money and my whole perspective of how I was going to handle it. Because I had always just believed that God got 10%. I thought he got the tithe, right? And the 10% was God's and the 90% is mine, <laughs> And then when I read this, I'm like, wait a second. If all the money I have is actually yours, then I'm not the owner, I'm the what? Yeah, I'm the steward. I'm just the steward. And so does that mean you get to tell me like what to do with this stuff instead of me? That's a crazy thought. Uh, Susie and I have one of our best friends back in Michigan, Joe Mackey. Joe Mackey actually handles our finances. But I can tell you this, Joe doesn't get to decide what to do with it. That's Susie and I, because it's our money. Now he helps us and tries to help us. Eric tries to help us with our finances, but it's ours. You guys, everything we have, our money, every dollar you own, what the Bible says, God is just telling you, hey guys, it's all mine. Everything is mine, even the insects are mine. So what does that mean? We're actually asking the wrong question. See, we shouldn't be saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with my money? What do you want me to do with my money? We need to see saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with your money? That, does that not change everything? <laughs> Can I be honest with you? I'm going to be, no, I'm not going to be honest with you. Let me just lie to you. Um, now I, studying for this message again made me realize I know this intellectually, but I don't think this way. I don't think this way every day. And this is why we have church. This is why we do teaching. It's why we read the scriptures because we need to remind ourselves of these truths. Now, when we struggle with that, if we struggle with the idea that everything we own, actually all our money is actually God's if, he's, if he gets to tell us what to do. If you're struggling with that, then how about this? When Jesus comes into your life, because that we're talking about, Jesus, I want you into my life. 
When he comes into your life, how does he come? What is he? What is he? He's the Lord. He's God. When you invite, see, sin, you guys, at its core is just human nature saying, God, I don't want you. I don't want you in my life. And I'm not really interested in your life. That's sin at its core. So when you finally realize, wow, I have said no to God, and you confess that, and you say, you know what, Jesus, no, I'm so sorry. I actually do want you in my life. He doesn't come in as a guy who gives some advice. <laughs> he actually comes in as who he is, as, as your Lord. And so this whole idea that our money is actually God's, man, he changes everything. Just as, that's, why, that's part of this whole idea with our, with our vision statement. We want to say we have an extraordinary God. And when he comes in, he changes everything. And one of the things we're going to see is he's going to change our heart towards money. And I do just want to say, one of the greatest benefits, you guys, one of the greatest benefits of believing that all the money that you have is actually his is contentment. Now, who doesn't want to be content? How does that work? Well, this works like this. When you believe it's yours, then the circumstances around that money either freak you out and stress you out, or you get totally exalted about them. <laughs> you ride the wave of the circumstances with your money. But when you realize it's God's, it's like, well, God, it's your money. So let me give you an example of that. Years ago, we were doing a, a capital cam paying for our first, we were in this one little warehouse on 2100 South and we knew we needed to expand. So we, we were doing a capital campaign so we could actually start a South campus and, and do, a, do another warehouse. And so when we did that, it was a three-year pledge, okay? So Susie and I prayed and we figured out how much, God, do you want us to be able to give of our money, because we thought it was ours, of your money towards this pledge? Well, the first couple of years went by and to be honest with you, we weren't like super faithful getting in a little bit. So year three came and we're like, okay, now we got to get this down. And I want to tell you, you guys, every time I turned around, something else would break. Our car would break. Our house would break down. Every time we'd finally get some money and I'm go, okay, I can put this payment towards this pledge that I've made. Another thing would happen and I'd have to get the money down. And I remember I called Eric and I'm like, Eric, I am so sorry. I go, because we can't make our payment every time I'm ready to make a payment. I don't have the money. <laughs> and then after our conversation, I don't even know if you remember this or not, but after our conversation, I remembered, it's like, hey, wait a second. This isn't my money. And then it's like, God, if you want to fix the furnace, then fix the furnace. If you want to take my car and get it repaired, then go ahead and take it to repair because it's your money. I can't pledge it to the church. I'll just do whatever you want with it. And I'm, not, and I'm not even kidding, you guys. I totally became at peace. I'm like, you know what, God? It's your money. And I'll be faithful to do with it whatever I need to do with it. You know what was cool? We actually made our pledge. I still have no idea how. But here's what we got to remember. Our money is actually God's. Everything is his. Our lives, our lives are God's. He created you in the first place. And it says, don't you know you were bought at a price? 
Jesus gave his life for you and you're his. That's the first thing we ought to understand if we're going to get this money thing down. Jesus, I want you in my life and I'm going to take the risk of inviting you into my finances. And he's going to come in and go, okay, thanks. Because they were all mine in the first place. All right, here's the second thing tied to that is that our money comes from God. Our money comes from God. What did he say in 1 Timothy 6? He says, don't put your hope in wealth so uncertain. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything. Jesus provides us with everything. You guys, so what are we saying? If I let Jesus into my life, okay, then he comes in as the provider. All through the Bible, God is the provider and he gives us everything for our enjoyment. So I said about that and I, well, what does God give us? What is Jesus come into my life? Would you please come into my life? And he says, yes. What does he give us? He gives us life. You're breathing today because Jesus is still keeping you alive. He gives us our intellect. He gives us, he gave every one of you your personality. You did not get a vote when you were in your mother's womb. He gave you your personality, every talent you possess and every ability that you have is because God gave it to you. Now, some of us have exercised it better than others, but the ability came from him. All grace and mercy to help us. He goes, I, want, I have grace for you and mercy for you. I wanna give that to you to help you. He, God is the God who gives endurance and he gives encouragement. He, the God of the universe, you guys, can give you the ability to keep going and to not stop and to encourage you. He goes, I'll give you wisdom. Anybody need wisdom? I'll give you my wisdom. I will give you guidance. I will give you direction. I will give you discipline when you're heading for destruction. I will give you purpose. I'm the only one who knows the purpose of your life on this planet. And I will reveal the purpose of your life. I will give meaning to your life. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you salvation. I will give you a second chance and a third chance and a 678th chance. I will give that to you. I will give you the Holy Spirit so that my presence is inside of you. I will give you hope in every situation. I will give you my peace, not as the world gives. I will give you my joy and it will be complete. I will give you confidence. I will give you assurance of heaven. I will give you eternal life. I will give you strength in your inner being. I will give you each other. I will give you the beauty and the grandeur and the majesty of my creation. I will give you the ability to have pleasure through the smells and the sights and the sounds and the tastes and the touches. Okay, I could go on forever. Do you guys, who did you invite into your life? 
Jesus is the one who gives and 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 gives. No, thank you. He is inside of you as the one who gives. He is your provider and he gives us everything for our enjoyment. So 1 Chronicles 29, David said this. He goes on with his big psalm of praise. He says this, wealth and honor come from you. Now, David was super wealthy. He had a little bit of honor. He was the king. He had more honor than any other human being in the Israelite nation. But he knew where it came from. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt. There's another place where he says, or to take away. It all comes from him. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given only what comes from your hand. Do you believe that? See, I I don't know if we believe that. Do you believe that everything you have has actually come from God? Because I'll be honest with you, I think we'd have to sit there and go, no, I'm pretty sure my check came from the company I work for. And I'm pretty sure that I worked my tail off. (laughs) I went to the four years of education or I went and got my master's. I did the training. I worked my way up the ladder. I put in the hours and then my company paid me. Anybody else feel that way? I think that's where my money came from. I love this verse in Deuteronomy. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gave you the ability to produce the wealth. I was like, oh, everything comes from him. Jesus, will you come into my life? Would you actually come into my finances? Then one of the things we can know is he goes, then you hear what you can know. I will give you everything that you need. Now, Susan and I were talking about this and she said, hey, Dave, Man, there's lots of times in life when we're not getting, anybody, don't raise your hand, but where we feel like we're not getting what we need. You know, and, and we, we sponsor, you know, we're so invested in Eswatini and we sponsor these kids over there. And our kid is finally, he's, he's aged out of the system. So now we're figuring out how do we continue to help him? And Susie's always like, I just want to give him everything. How come he doesn't have the stuff that he needs? He literally told us, he goes, I don't even know how we make it. We have nothing. And she's praying to God and saying, God, why don't you give back and tell you what he needs? And he goes, and he just answers Susie. He goes, oh, babe. He, did he call you babe? No, I think that's me. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and he said, but he told Susie, he, goes, he just laid on her head. He goes, Susie. I am giving Beccatelli something so much greater than the finances. And I tell you, man, that kid is a man. He has run his house and he's an incredible human being. God will give you everything in his perfect wisdom, okay? Now, all I have is because of you, God. You are a ridiculous giver, generous beyond measure. 
So when Jesus comes into our life, you guys, and into our finances, he's going to come as a provider. So let's talk about what happens to our finances then. When we realize they're actually God's and I'm stewarding his resources and when Jesus comes into my heart and his spirit is dwelling within me, he is ridiculously generous. What happens to a follower of Jesus? What is the life? How do we take hold of the life that is truly life by letting Jesus in there? Here's the first thing. We got to hold God's money with open hands. We got to hold God's money with open hands. Verse 18 said, command them to be good. Be rich in good deeds, okay? Way to go, you guys. You're being rich in good deeds. All of you who are heading to, to the streets tomorrow to feed the homeless, you're being rich in good deeds. Way to go. And then he says, and to be generous and willing to share. Command them. Yes, that, that's, our, that's, our, that's our deal. We gotta be generous. Why? Because Jesus is in us and he's generous. First Chronicles 29, 14. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. So let me just talk a little bit about some practical application here. How does this work out? Jesus, come in to my finances as the Lord of my finances and as the provider, me realizing everything I have is from you, okay? What should you and I be doing with God's money? So I, I love Erwin McManus. He's one of my favorite pastors to listen to. And he said one time uh, a guy came up to him and they were talking about money. And so he came up to Erwin. He says, so I just want to know something about Mosaic. He goes, are you guys a grace church or are you guys a law church? And Erwin said, he goes, I knew exactly where, where this guy was going. So he said, oh, we're a grace church. He goes, because the law said that you should not commit adultery. But in grace after Jesus, it's like, no, you shouldn't even lust after a woman. <laughs> He goes, and, and in the law, it says you shouldn't murder anybody. But in, after Jesus, with grace, he goes, man, you shouldn't even be angry in your heart. So in the law, it said you're supposed to give 10%. But in the grace church with Jesus, under grace, we're empowered now to give everything. Yeah, thanks for the two of you laughing. That was, I, when I heard that, I go, wow, did that guy get caught? See, Luke 14, Jesus said this. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Oh, can anybody in this room be a Jesus disciple? Give up everything. I've given you everything. Let me manage everything. So let's talk about the tithe for a second, okay? So what's the tithe? Tithe is 10%. 20 years we've been here. I've given a number of messages about, about the tithe. Um, it's very interesting where I'm at today because there's a lot of questions, legitimate questions about the tithe, okay? What does tithe mean? 10%. That's what, that's what the word means. It just means 10%. So I do know this, okay, about the tithe. If you think you need to tithe to gain God's favor, that's not Jesus. And if you need to tithe for your salvation, that's not Jesus. And if you ask about tithing, so if you've ever asked the question about tithing to see if there's a way for you to give less than that, do I, can, I, can I finagle around this tithe thing and maybe not give quite as, can I give as little as possible? That's not Jesus either. Because <laughs> I can tell you, the God inside of you who loves to give and give and give is not motivating you to figure out how to give less. 
So if you've ever asked the question about the tithe, why? That's not about Jesus. Let me just share with you, I actually like the tithe personally. I like it. I'll be honest with you. I'm not 100% sure we're supposed to be doing it. You know, people, a lot of people, solid scholars of the scriptures will go, you know, I'm reading the New Testament. I'm not sure. So I'm not gonna say here today, you must do this. But let me tell you why it makes sense to me. Um, I have no problem with God asking for the first 10%. That's because that's how it works. He goes, take the first, right? The first thing that you have, take 10% of it off and give it to me. And in the Old Testament, he says, because that's mine. He goes, that's mine. I don't have any problem with him doing that. It's all his. So if he wants to take 10% right off the top, okay. And then I get to manage the rest. All right. Now, here's your reason why I don't have a problem with it. It's because I know he loves me. I know, do you guys know that God doesn't need your money? He's not up there going, golly, I can't get it done. Nobody will give me my money. He doesn't need your money. You know why he asked for a tithe, I think? Because he loves you. Because he loves me. And because he cares about my heart. And he cares about your heart. I think that's why God said, take 10% right off the top. You know why? Because God knows our hearts. He knows them. And he knows that we are bent to live for ourselves more than him and more than others. And that, you guys, right there is what messes everything up. So I think one of the most gracious things that God ever did was say, I love you so much and I want to rescue you from the love of money. And instead, I want you to love me and I want you to love people. And so Jesus said it, right? He said, and we're going to get to this in a second, where your treasure is, your heart will be. That's God. He's telling us something about our hearts. So if your treasure never goes to God, if it only goes to you, then God knows this. And your heart, your heart's going to go there too. That's why I don't have a problem with the tithe because I want my heart to be God's. I want all of my heart to be the Lord's. And so to take it off the first thing and just go, man, Jesus, you are the most important thing to me. And I want to make sure my heart stays that way. That's why I personally like the tithe, okay? And then people will say, okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm digging tithe. Well, who should I give it to? Now, this one I get all the time. You know, do I have to give it to the church? And, and, and I, it's interesting, in the, in the Old Testament, it said it would always say, bring the first fruits to the house of the Lord, right? To the temple, to the house of the Lord. So that just got transferred over because we don't have temples now, but we have the church. And so bring the first fruits to the church. That it, and that kind of made sense to me. And then uh, in 2 Corinthians, there's a, there's a time where the church in Jerusalem is, in, is, is really suffering. So Paul's going around, he's trying to gather resources to help the church. And he, I'm going to read this in a little bit, but he boasts about this one church. And he said this because they gave him quite a bit of money to help the other church in Jerusalem. And then he said this, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And I've always thought, isn't that interesting? Why do you think Paul said they gave first to the Lord? I think, I think that was it. It's like, I'm just gonna, my, my offering, my tithe 
And the first thing I just give right to God. That's the first thing I do. Oh, there's needs. There's other needs. Well, then I'm going to give as well. And that's, that's how I've interpreted That's how Susie and I kind of just, that's how we do our, our life. Now today I will say this, there's nothing in the Bible about Campus Crusade that Susie worked for. There's nothing in the Bible about loving Utah. We're going to celebrate that organization tomorrow. There's nothing in the Bible about Amy King, right? Who's, who's one of our missionaries here who needs support to be able to do her ministry. There's nothing in the Bible that says, what do we do with all these parachurch organizations? <laughs> and that's why I think it's confusing because people say, well, can't I take my tithe and just give it to whoever I want? It's like, I'm giving it to God. I'm giving it to ministry. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to sit up here and say, no, you can't. But it just makes sense to me to say that I'm going to give it to the first, to the church, to the, part, the body I'm a part of. And then I'm going to give beyond that. That's, that's just how we've operated and it makes sense. But here's the bigger issue, guys. Here's the bigger issue. The bigger issue is your heart. May I tell you guys, the greed in the Bible, by the way, greed is in the list of all the other sins you don't want to do. And but, but greed, how do we know if I'm being greedy? Well, I, I could say one thing is like, if all of your money goes towards yourself, and not God or no, nobody else, that would be a first sign. And if you need more, <laughs> if you're living for more so that you can have more, but you're not giving anything away, man, if all that God has given you only goes for you, that's the bigger issue <laughs> right there. If you, and here's what's interesting. Have you ever thought about why don't I want, why don't, I want to give anything to God. Why don't I want to? Because here's the craziest thing. I do know this about our money. We give it to what we love. What you love gets your money. I can tell you that right now. Like you, you go ahead and look at my, look at my bank statement, look at our credit card statement, and you're going to tell us, this is what matters to me. I love it. And so I support it. Amen. Can that, is that true? Is that not what you're doing with your money? It is. And so why wouldn't God get in there? If we love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength, I'm telling you, if Jesus, if you say, Jesus, will you come into my life? And will you come in to my finances? I can tell you this, Jesus is gonna go, oh, it's gonna get good. You're gonna take hold of the life that was truly life because you're gonna start giving because I'm a giver. You're going to start giving to God. You're just going to start giving to people who are in need and your heart's going to be free and you're going to be alive. Watch out. The scripture says, Jesus said this, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. It just doesn't. All right. So there you go. Now, here's the second thing. Now I'm going to do this one quickly. Make God's money count. What do I do with my money? Make it count, you guys. First Timothy 6.19, what does it say? If you are generous and willing to share in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age. Okay, don't, don't raise your hands, but how many of you invest? Anybody in here invest? Of course, if you have any money, you invest it. Why do you invest it? because you're hoping that there will be a future return. 
And you're believing that that was actually gonna happen. And the scriptures just say, hey, lay up your treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age. Classic Jesus here. Jesus, come into my heart. <laughs> come into my finances. And then what will he say? Okay, awesome. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I just thought about this. So Jesus does kind of come in as a financial advisor, doesn't he? He's like, hey, can I tell you how you should handle your money? And here's what's cool. You know what Jesus knows? He knows heaven. He knows eternity. He knows where all of us are going. He knows this is not your home. And you're like here for a super brief moment. And then you're going to be spending eternity with him. And so all he's saying is, don't invest in this little stinky little moment. Invest. And then he's saying, because I guarantee you this, I guarantee you, once you do pass away and you will, and you won't take any of this with you and you get to heaven, you're going to wish that all of your dollars were put in treasures in heaven. That's what we're going to want. I, again, I can't help but think about Joe Mackey. Our advice, every time we talk to him, he's like, oh man, he's so concerned about our financial future. And he always is asking us, can't you pull some money here? And can't you put it here? He just, please, he's like, invest in this, Dave. You want a great future. And I just feel like Jesus is my Joe Mackey. Jesus is looking at every one of us. And he says, you guys, don't get caught up in this world. Don't get caught up in this world. Put your treasures in heaven, okay? Make your money count. Oh, the blessing. You guys, it's so cool. The blessing money is, money is not evil. It is not evil. I know people who are so ridiculously generous with their money. And I want to tell you, you know, you know what's happening because they are? They're changing the freaking world. They're changing people's lives all the time. And that's my last point. God's finances can make everything beautiful. God's finances can make everything beautiful. Look at 1 Timothy one last time. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our, let's all say it, everything for our? Come on, man, we got a God who actually wants us to enjoy life. Isn't that great? He is not up there going, I want you to be miserable with your money. No, Scrooge is miserable with his money. God wants us to have enjoyment, command them to do good, rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will take treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I just want you to walk out of here today and just go, what did God tell me today? He goes, if you want full life, then live like me. Be faithful with your finances. Be generous and willing to share in every aspect of our lives if we let Jesus in them. There's three things I've been saying through this series. Three things happen when we do this. Number one, our life becomes full and free. Number two, everybody around us gets blessed. And number three, God finally gets glorified. And I want to tell you, man, 
the world will see you. The world will see K2 as a church, as beautiful. When they're being blessed by what we give them and they're gonna see Jesus as beautiful. So Diego and Mariah, come on up. And while they do, let me read this one last passage to you. I love this. This is what Paul said to the people who were giving generously to the church in Jerusalem. He said this, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, okay? What's happening? Other people are getting blessed. You're supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. (laughs) What's happening? People are glorifying God. (laughs) They're like, oh my gosh, my needs are getting met. God, you're so good. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Do you guys see that line? They're gonna praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of your faith in the gospel of Christ. Okay, so what's that mean? Do you have a confession of a faith? Would you say, I'm a follower of Jesus? Would you say, Jesus is in me and I'm born again of his spirit? Okay, what this scripture is saying is you can have that confession but it's your obedience that proves it. So let's do it. Your generosity is sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Oh, look at that. And now you're blessed too. It's a win, 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 you guys. Because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his in describable gift. You guys, the grace, are we a grace church? Yes. What is grace? God freely empowering us, giving us what we need so we can live the life that we are created to live. And it's called a grace of giving. It's a gift to you. God gives, gives, he gives, and then we give it. So what do we do? I just want to encourage you just take inventory of your finances. Take, take some time in the next week and just do an inventory. What do your finances say that you love? Just be totally honest. Nobody else, just you and your own, just sit there and go, what do I love based on where my money goes? And then just ask the question, God, where do you fit in the picture? How do you fit in my finances? Are you my Lord? Are you the most important thing to me? Does your bank or credit statement look like Jesus is in it? (laughs) Jesus, come into my finances, but not there. Does it look like Jesus is in your bank statement? And I would just say, start giving. Start being generous. See needs around you. Meet individual needs. If you don't give to the church, start giving. Just start doing it. (laughs) Start giving back to God. This is his body of Christ, give back to the body of Christ, give to mission organizations, support missionaries, just do it. And he says, you'll take hold of the life that's truly life. God help me to believe that. All right, let's stand and let's worship our final song before we head out.